From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason D'Antonio! so much what a great group as always to come to the show and listen to another edition of the queen's new yorker it is the day after thank two days after thanksgiving it's thanksgiving weekend here it's saturday november 28th 2020 it's episode number 152 and i hope for your sake you enjoyed the Thanksgiving Day episode of the History of Thanksgiving United States style. That was fun. Today, we're going to be back on our series of Bridges and Tunnels with the history of the Holland Tunnel. Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. Support-wise, we are doing fantastic. You guys are great. Oh, yeah. You guys are putting us close. In fact, you're putting us close to 2,100 total plays. Uh, total, yeah, you know, and uh, the Thanksgiving history episode two days ago was an hour long. 14 plays. That's pretty good. So I'm happy for you, for everybody. 30 plays total between the Queen's Midtown Tunnel, part one and part two. Tony Bennett's uh, Legacy of Queens, I really thought it was going to be bigger than that. You guys liked the preview for some reason, but you sure didn't go over and listen to it. Okay. Nine plays, but, you know, hey, Don Rickles somehow got more. 21. It's uh, interesting. Tomorrow on The Legacy of Queens will be episode six, which will be looking at the uh, guy who pretty much uh, looks at uh, physicist, physicist, um, physicist, I think. He's a, phys- he's a mathematician and a physicist. Uh, so, let me, yeah. The, <laughs> it's the life of Richard Feynman. He was an American theoretical physicist known for his work in the path integral formulation of quantum mechanics, the theory of quantum electrodynamics, the physics of superfluidity of supercooled liquid helium, as well as his work in particular physics for which he proposed the Parton model. For contributions to the development of quantum electrodynamics, Feynman received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1965 jointly with Julian Schwinger and Shinichiro Tomonaga. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting history of the life of Richard Feynman tomorrow on the Legacy of Queens. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so as always, let's go and uh, get ready for our our look at uh, the Holland Tunnel. All of our information comes from the Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. So let's start. 
So until the first decade of the 20th century, passage across the lower Hudson River was possible only by ferry. The first tunnels to be bored below the Hudson River were for railroad use, and the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad, which is now the pass train, constructed two pairs of tubes to link the major railroad terminals in New Jersey with Manhattan Island. The uptown Hudson tubes, which opened in 1908, and the downtown Hudson tubes, which opened in 1909. Pennsylvania Railroad's twin North River tunnels constructed to serve the new Pennsylvania station, which opened in 1910. The construction of these three tunnels proved that tunneling under the Hudson River was feasible. However, although train traffic was allowed to use the tunnel crossings, automotive traffic still had to be transported via ferry. So at the same time, freight traffic in the port of New York and New Jersey was mostly carried on boats, but traffic had grown to such a point that the boats were at full capacity and some freight started going to other ports in the United States. So to alleviate this, officials proposed building a freight railroad tunnel, but this was blocked by the organized syndicates that held influence over much of the port's freight operations. The public learned of the excessive traffic loads on existing boat routes, as well as the limited capacity of the H&M and North River tunnels. When the surface of the Hudson River froze in winter of 1917, and again when Pennsylvania Railroad workers went on strike in winter of 1918, one engineer suggested that the three freight railroad tunnels would be cheaper to construct than one bridge. So in 1906, the New York and New Jersey Interstate Bridge Commission, a consortium of three groups, was formed to consider the need for a crossing across the Hudson River between New York City and New Jersey. That year, three railroads asked the commission to consider building a railroad bridge over the river. In 1908, the commission considered building three bridges across the Hudson River at 57th, 110th, and 179th Streets in Manhattan. The reasoning was that bridges would be cheaper than tunnels. These three locations were considered to be the only suitable locations for suspension bridges. Other sites were rejected on the grounds of aesthetics, geography, or traffic flows. So John Vipond Davies was one of the partners for the consulting firm Jacobs and Davies, which had constructed the Uptown Hudson Tubes. And he wanted to build a vehicle tunnel between Canal Street, Manhattan, and 13th Street, Jersey City. This proposal would compete with the six-lane suspension bridge at 57th Street. Some plans provided for the construction of both the bridge and the tunnel. The ferries could not accommodate all of the 19,600 vehicles per day as of 1913 that traveled between New York and New Jersey. The Bridge Commission hosted several meetings to tell truck drivers about the details of both the 57th Street Bridge and Canal Street tunnel plans. The United States Department of War brought up concerns about the 57th Street Bridge plans. The span would need to be at least 200 feet above the mean high water to avoid interfering with shipping. By comparison, the tunnel would be 95 feet below mean water level, and the Interstate Bridge Commission, which had been renamed the New York State Bridge and Tunnel Commissions in April of 1913, they published a report that same month stating that the Canal Street Tunnel would cost $11 million, while the 57th Street Bridge would cost $42 million. So in October of 1913, Jacobs and Davies stated that a pair of tunnels with each tube carrying traffic in one direction 
would cost only $11 million, while a bridge meant cost over $50 million. Moreover, the low elevation and deep bedrock of lower Manhattan was more conducive to a tunnel than to a bridge. By the end of that year, the consulting engineers for both the 57th Street Bridge and the Canal Street Tunnel had submitted their plans to the Bridge and Tunnel Commission. New York City merchants mainly advocated for the tunnel plan, while New Jerseyans and New York automobile drivers mostly supported the bridge plan. Meanwhile, the New York State Bridge and Tunnel Commission indicated that it favored the Canal Street Tunnel Plan. On the other hand, the 57th Street Bridge Plan remained largely forgotten. Now, the Public Service Commission of New Jersey published a report in April of 1917 stating that the construction of a Hudson River vehicle tunnel from Lower Manhattan to Jersey City was feasible. That June, following this report, New Jersey Governor Walter Evans Edge convened the Hudson River Bridge and Tunnel Commission of New Jersey, which would work with the New York Bridge and Tunnel Commission, to construct the new tunnel. In March of 1918, a report was sent to the New York State Legislature advocating for the construction of the tunnel as soon as possible. That year, $6 million in funding for the Hudson River Tunnel was proposed in two bills presented to subcommittees of the United States Senate and the House of Representatives. The bill was voted down by Interstate Commerce Committee before it could be presented to the full Senate. The original plans for the Hudson River Tunnel were for twin two-lane tubes with each tube carrying traffic in a single direction. A request for proposals for the tunnel was announced in 1918, and 11 such requests were considered. One of these proposals, authored by engineer George Gothels, was for a bi-level tube, a modification of Jacobs and Davies' 1913 plan, and the Gothels proposal specified that each level would carry three lanes of traffic, and that traffic on each level would run in a different direction. Gothels stated that his plan would cost $12 million and could be completed in three years. Subsequently, John F. O'Rourke offered to build the tunnel for $11.5 million. Gothels cited the area's freight traffic as one of the reasons for constructing the tube. His proposal would use a 42-foot diameter shield to dig the tunnel. This large tunnel size was seen as a potential problem since there were differences in the air pressure at the top and the bottom of each tunnel, and that air pressure difference increased with a large tunnel diameter. Thus, five engineers were assigned to examine the feasibility of Gothel's design, and in July of 1919, President Woodrow Wilson ratified a congressional joint resolution for a trans-Hudson tunnel, and Clifford Milburn Holland was named the chief engineer of the project. Holland stated that, based on the construction methods used for both pairs of H&M tubes and for the downtown pair in particular, it should be relatively easy to dig through the mud on the bottom of the Hudson River, and that construction should be completed within two years. The federal government refused to finance the project, even in part, and so it was the state's responsibility to raise the funds. June of 1919, U.S. Senator and former New Jersey Governor Edge presented another iteration of the Hudson River Tunnel Bill to the U.S. Senate, where it was approved. The New York and New Jersey governments signed a contract in September of 1919 in which the states agreed to build, operate, and maintain the, the tunnel in partnership. The contract was signed by the state's respective tunnel commissions in January of 1920. Under Holland's plan, 
each of the two tubes would have an outside diameter of 29 feet, including exterior linings, and the tubes would contain two-lane roadways with a total width of 20 feet. One lane would be for slower traffic, and the other would be for faster traffic. This contrasted with Gothel's plan, wherein three roadways would have had a total width of 24 and a half feet, only a few feet wider than Holland's two-lane roadways. Additionally, according to Holland, the 42-foot-wide tube would require the excavation of more dirt than both 29-foot tubes combined. Two circles with 29-foot diameters would have had a combined area of 5,282.2 square feet, while a circle with a 42-foot diameter would have an area of 5,541.8 square feet. The more northerly westbound tube would begin at Broome and Varick Streets on the Manhattan side and end at the now-demolished intersection of 14th and Provost Streets on the New Jersey side. The more southerly eastbound tube would begin at the still-intact intersection of 12th and Provost Streets in Jersey City and at the end at the south side of Canal Street near Varick. They would... Um, and, and they would end at the south side of Canal Street near Varick Street. And so by way of comparison, Gothel's plan would have combined the entrance and exit plazas on each side. The Motor Truck Association of America unsuccessfully advocated for three lanes in each tube. So even though Gothel's method of digging had not been tested, he refused to concede to Holland's proposal and demanded to see evidence that Holland's proposal would work. The New York and New Jersey Tunnel Commission subsequently rejected Gothel's plans in favor of a twin-two proposal that Holland had devised, which was valued at around $28.7 million. So when Gothel's asked why, the commission responded that Gothel's proposal had never been tested, that it was too expensive, and that tunnel plans had many engineering weaknesses that could cause the tube to flood. Additionally, while a tube with three lanes in each direction would be able to handle more traffic than a tube with two lanes, projections showed that traffic on the tunnel's approach roads could barely handle the amount of traffic going to and from the two-lane tubes and that widening the approach roads on each side would cost millions of dollars more. The commission then voted to forbid any further consideration of Gothel's plan Holland defended his own plan by pointing out that the roadways in Gothel's plan would not only feature narrower narrower road lanes, but also would have ventilation ducts that were too small to ventilate the tube efficiently. In May of 1920, New Jersey's legislature voted to approve the start of construction, overriding a veto from the New Jersey governor. That same month, the New York governor signed a similar bill that had been passed in the New York legislature. The legislature of New Jersey approved a $5 million bond issue for the tunnel in December of 1920. And we will stop there and pick up with part two with construction, with the ventilation system, the tunnel boring, and all that other good stuff on the next edition of the Queens New Yorkers look at the history of the Holland Tunnel. Yes.
Okay, folks. Well, we thank you very much for joining us here. As, as always, you know, you are a great crowd indeed, and we thank you for your continued support of the Queens New Yorker. This is episode 152. So t- don't forget tomorrow, Legacy of Queens, episode 6 with Richard Feynman, the physicist for the Nobel Prize winning, but he is also a Queens New Yorker native. Episode 153 of the History of the Holland Tunnel, part 2, picks up on November th- uh, December 1st, actually. So that'll be great. And don't forget to look out for that Jason DeCanio show coming back on January 1st on a Friday with a whole new format of great topics and great music and, of course, great news to report. We'll give you all of that as the weeks of December continue up to the weeks leading up to Christmas. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and continue to still have a great weekend. We will see you on Tuesday with episode 153 of part two of the history of the Holland Tunnel. I'm Jason DiCanio. And remember, be honest, be real, keep it simple, stupid, and always tell the truth no matter what. Because it's your responsibility to. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio Internet presentation. Thank you for your support.